0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 258, recorded on Monday, March 21st, 2016. Happy spring, Christopher. Oh, yeah. It's the first full day of spring, isn't it? Yeah. Technically, it started yesterday at four in the afternoon or something, right? I don't know. Sure. (laughs) That sun, I barely even follow it. Yeah, it's spring. They calculate it down to the minute, I think, when the season changes. So I think it was yesterday, uh, sometime in the afternoon. And that's why technically yesterday was the first day of spring. But here we are on the first full day of spring. Mm -hmm. Happy spring, everyone. Happy spring. It's nice to be. It's nice that spring has sprung, although it was stupid cold here today, so I wasn't very happy about that. Mm. All right, we are here to talk about the latest episode of The Walking Dead, of course. You probably know that by now since we've done 258 of these. (laughs) These things? (laughs) These thingies. Uh, But just before we get into it, I want to remind everyone that we're running a giveaway right now, and the prize is a very cool book called The Art of Eating Through the Zombie Apocalypse, a cookbook. And Culinary Survival Guide by Lauren Wilson. You can enter by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash eating, where uh, you can find out how to enter. One of the ways is to submit a review of us on iTunes, which is cool, and then put in your iTunes username, and that gets you a good old entry in the raffle. And you know what? I didn't mention on uh, last time when we launched this, but you can leave your review in whatever iTunes store you want, whether you're in the US, Canada, the UK, or somewhere else. It doesn't really matter to us. Um, we just want to gather a few more reviews up there going, and, but but make sure you, you put your name, your iTunes name, into the contest app so that we can check it out if we want to. Um, have you left us a review, Jason?
1: Uh, I did way back when. I'm not <laughs> sure if you're allowed to review more than once, but uh, I might have been the
0: first reviewers. All right. That's good. I'm glad. I'll go back and see what you said. It wasn't five stars. Well, it's, it's probably, probably not. an honest review. <laughs> That's At the right. time, it was like
1: three, three and a half.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe Max. these these guys are all right. A little, little bit annoying, but they'll you know they they're okay. Yeah, they'll they'll get it together eventually, someday maybe. Someday maybe. Thanks to everyone at Smart Pop Books for the prize. Uh that's an imprint of Ben Bella Books in case you're looking for it. Again, that's the Art of Eating Through the Zombie Apocalypse, and uh, visit talking com slash art of eating to enter. All right. Uh let's jump right into our recap for season six, episode fourteen. AMC's The Walking Dead, Episode 14. Twice as far.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is going to be twice as far?
1: Well, I'm guessing the age-old question of how far you're willing to go was answered by the schlongbiter tonight. Twice as far. (laughs) Please, give a round of
3: applause to twice as far.
2: Twice as far.
3: Are we nearly there yet? This seems twice as far as before. One,
0: two Oh, twice, twice as far. That's right. This episode was called twice as far. Thank you to Malik on the internet, Sarah in Maine, Todd in Amelia Island, Florida, Gareth in Bielfeld, Germany, or Bielfeld, Germany, Nick in Buffalo, New York, Jim in Dorchester, UK, and Trevor in Morrisville, North Carolina for reading that title. Cool. Mm-hmm. All, all excellent title reads there. If you want to hear yourself read the title on a future podcast, record it and send it into talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. It's fun times. Mm. Very, very fun times. All right. So let's begin the recap, Jason. We start with a garage door opening. Yes. And it seems to be that the garage is full of preserves. Yeah. That's, that's the uh, um, pantry. Pantry. The town pantry. So we see Olivia, and she's in there, like, inventorying food or something like that. We cut over to Father Gabe. He's on patrol walking by the pond in the middle of town. We see Eugene taking over his shift at the front gate, and we see Morgan training with his staff. We have a bit of a montage of people going about their business around Alexandria. Mm Mm-hmm. Staying vigilant. Staying vigilant. Yeah. We see Carol smoking on her porch. <laughs> Being vigilantly and uh, doing the rosary. Yeah. She's holding the rosary. She she still has
1: it, obviously. Well, she was actually doing the rosary. I think she was actually, uh, she looked like she was moving the beads through her hand, which uh, I'm not overly up on, uh, on this particular thing, but I think she was uh, doing a... Maybe not praying per se, but at least meditating with it and uh, moving it through your hands.
0: I, I didn't, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know, a, like, I didn't know you did the rosary. Like, I didn't know there was something you did with it. If oh, I was- yeah, it's got beads and it's got larger beads. And I'm going to
1: get into all kinds of trouble because I know only maybe just a little bit more than you. But you say, like, uh, Hail Mary full of grace, something, 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 and then you move a bead. And then you do Hail Mary full of grace, and then you move a bead and you go all the way around the rosary. Huh. So it's like an abacus. No, you don't <laughs> you count with move, it. I know. I just move it's beads. Just, it's a way of uh, of uh, uh of prayer. Right. But the the beads actually mean something
0: and there's a, there's a certain number of beads in a rosary. Well, I am terribly ignorant obviously. I I didn't even realize that. But okay, if she's doing the rosary, I that's that's cool. Otherwise, she's just kind of holding on to it and Yeah. And uh
1: my wife would know. I could go and ask her, but I didn't uh
0: I didn't do that yet. And probably your wife would know too. My wife might know. She might know. Um, She's smarter than me, after all. Yeah, well, that's what I figured. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, We also see Morgan, and he's finishing his jail cell. So that cell that he's building isn't just an iron bar door now. It's a full cinder block, you know, room. It is a big time secure room. Yeah, except for that last brick that he put in, that cinder block that he put in, didn't have any mortar or anything
1: with it. If he can just push it in there with his hands, somebody else can just pull it out. Sure. But you know what?
0: You If you don't know which brick it is, you're going to have to spend all day figuring out which brick it is and who's going to do that. What else are you going to do while you're sitting in a friggin'
1: cell for God knows how long? Poke
0: each brick to see which one falls You poke the
1: bricks, out. you prod for uh, weaknesses. Yeah. And, or,
0: you know, you get yourself a little rock hammer like uh, Andy Dufresne mm. and uh, away you go. Well, anyways, it looks, maybe he's just testing for fit and he's going to take it out and put mortar in and then put it back in.
1: Oh, okay. See? Yeah, fine. Perfect. Right. Good. Good the, rest of the,
0: the rest of the place looks pretty secure though. And, and, um, you know, rock solid or cinder block solid. Yeah. And, uh, Rick walks up and asks him why, just one word, why? And Morgan's answer is so that next time we'll have options. Mm-hmm. Instead of killing everyone, maybe we can put them in jail, is what he's saying. Yeah, it's a good plan. I guess. Yeah, I guess.
1: So now- You can always just uh, you can always do what they did, uh, Buffalo Bill did in Silence of the Lambs*. Just dig a pit. Dig a pit, throw them in a the pit. What are they going to do? They can't get out of the pit. It's true. Send them a, down uh, food and some hand lotion every now and again, and uh, you're good to go. You dig, dig a big enough hole, and nobody's getting out of that. Yeah, you don't need to, you know-
0: create a, a jail cell with uh, welded doors and stuff you just dig a pit damn it <laughs> i don't know morgan i guess he wants to craft something you digging a hole is fine but he wants to build something he wants to create something other than no, a hole. don't
1: don't knock the satisfaction uh, you get from digging a big hole
0: no i know what you mean i mean you go to the beach you dig a big hole it feels pretty good it's a damn good feeling. It fills with water. Oh, it's, it's so good.
1: <laughs> go in your backyard this summer. I uh, I recommend you you dig, just dig a big hole, maybe about a three-foot round, 17, 18-foot deep. That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. What
0: could possibly go wrong?
1: It'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, it would be very cool. So now, back to the episode, they kind of groundhog day us here. And that's the first thing I thought of while watching this, because after the Morgan scene, we cut back to the garage door again, and Olivia inventorying her food again. We see Father Gabe. We see the shift change again at the front gate. We see Morgan practicing again, and we're seeing the same things with little subtle differences. Uh, Now, this time Carol is sitting on her porch and Tobin comes up and kisses her and then walks Mm -hmm. off. That's sweet. Isn't that nice? And then instead of Morgan working in his jail cell, now we go to Rosita. She's getting out of bed and getting dressed and in her bed, is Spencer. Spencer. So she's moved on to Spencer. Wow. Maybe she's rebounded to Spencer. Rebounded. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. But he seems pretty comfortable in there. Oh, he's sleepy.
1: That's what happens when you sleep over at someone's house. You're sleepy. You want to sleep in. And it's, it's you know, that uh, couple of hours in the morning... When the sun has come up and you're, you don't have anything you need to do that day and you're just lounging there, those are pretty sweet couple of hours.
0: Those are, those are good times, man. I like yeah. those hours. Well, uh, we see Daryl and he's working on his bike and uh, his, his bike that he's re, reacquired, of course, mm-hmm. newly reacquired once again. <laughs> and he, he digs around in one of the pouches and he finds a toy soldier. So somebody whoever had this bike, the guy that uh, had his bike before,
1: uh had added that pouch cuz it looked like he just ripped the pouch off like what the hell's this piece of junk doing attached to my bike. So he ripped the pouch off and then uh, inside it was a um it was a carved wooden soldier. So I think whoever stole the bike either had this as a memento or carved it himself, but it was homemade
0: out of wood. That's that's nice. Maybe a whittler. Like someone, A whittler, yeah. Yeah, he just likes to carve out a wood. But Daryl just tosses it aside. Like, he doesn't seem to have any interest in that. That's garbage. That's not part of my bike. No way. That, this doesn't go on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Carol walks up, and they sit down and have a smoke together. And she asks about the people that he met in the burnt forest. And, you know, they talk about how he let them go, and she says, sorry, you're still stuck with that referring to his need to leave them alive and not Mm -hmm. kill them. Right. And Daryl says, no, I should have killed them. (laughs) (laughs) Like considering everything that's happened now, I should have killed those people. Yeah, probably. Um, But this is interesting because Carol seems to be wavering back and forth a little bit, right? Last week we were talking about how she didn't want to kill everybody at the, uh, um, at the savior's outpost, And now she comes up and says, you know, sorry, you still feel like you shouldn't kill everybody, even though Daryl kind of does now. But Carol is a bit all over the place.
1: Yeah, Uh, she's I don't know if she's wavering. I think she's uh, she's working through it. Mm -hmm. Right. So not only is she working through her own issues, but she's kind of reaching out to Daryl to see uh, how he feels about it. And uh, maybe in order to internalize how, help her internalize how she feels about it. Yeah. So she's saying, you know, you have to live with that, trying to prompt uh, an emotional response. How do you feel about uh, the fact that you have to live with that? And uh, he said, well, you know, you should have killed him. So now she's got to deal with that, that he thinks that. You know, killing people is the right thing to do when uh, when in doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, I think she's, uh, I'm not sure that she's wavering, but she is working through her issues by talking about it in this weird way.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think this whole episode, and we'll get into this as we get through the end of it, but I think this whole episode is a, it's a bit of a microcosm of Carol's transition. Mm-hmm. You know, the way she starts it here talking to Daryl and the way she ends up at the end Um, when she's voiceovering at the end of the episode, but we'll get to that. Um, So the cold open groundhog days us again, and the whole sequence is very quick this time. We see the garage, we see the lake, stuff like that, but we don't see any people this time. We don't see um, uh, Olivia in the garage, and we don't see Father Gabe walking by the pool or the, the pond, and we see you know, Carol sitting on the porch, smoking and holding the rosary. And then we go to the opening credits. But what I was thinking is, were they trying to imply or trying to tell us that the people were getting a little bit complacent here, where they all had jobs to do, like inventory the food, distribute the food. We had Gabe on patrol, kind of, with his gun. Um, But now we're not seeing that. So are people sort of, you know, giving up on their duties a little bit, getting a little complacent again? That could be That's that's kind of what I thought when I saw that, even though at the same time, it could have just been, these are quick shots and we're not seeing the same things. But I kind of felt like they were trying to say, look, everyone, it doesn't take very long for everyone to sort of fall back into routine and get comfortable and, you know, stop worrying about things, even though there are threats out there. That's true. So anyways, after the opening credits. We um, we have Eugene and Abe are leaving Alexandria, and they go by this zombie with a stake through his face, but he's still alive. Uh, and stuck. Alive. Like he, he can't seem to get that uh, that stake off his
1: face. Uh, no. It was pretty gross. Yeah, it's unfortunate for him, too. I mean, I would hate to have my face stuck to a stake, uh, you know, and not being able to get away from it. You'd love to be stuffing your face with a stake. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, different. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I I still don't think I'd be uh, all that happy about st- being stuck to, uh, you know, a nice porterhouse. Yeah, I know. You know. Medium well done porterhouse. You don't want to be stuck to Or medium rare. Depends on my mood. Yeah.
0: I like a good medium rare porterhouse. <laughs> yeah. Get you one right now. Um, so Denise is up on the wall, though, and she's watching Eugene and Abe leave. Yeah. So she sees them go. Uh, we cut over to Rosita and Spencer and they're walking through town. He's offering to make her dinner and then he wants to know, you know, what are we doing? It's a typical. Like, <laughs> what is this? We're sleeping together clearly, but what are we doing? We're doing rebound here, dude. Just relax. It's some rebound sex, but she agrees to have dinner with him. Yeah. Right. So well, that's nice. That is nice. You know, they don't need to define it <laughs> in yeah. air quotes, but they can at least have dinner. Right? Yeah, they could. So they're standing outside of Denise's house, and she comes out and uh, asks if they can do something other than having a lesson today. Because Rosita, I guess, showed up there to give her some combat training, which they've been doing, it sounds like. Uh, I guess so. And Denise wants to do something else. She ends up talking to Rosita and Daryl about a pharmacy she knows that's nearby, and she wants to go out and scavenge for medicine. Because, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's a good, great idea. She doesn't know if there's anything there, but it's worth checking out because it's not too far away, she says. And of course, she's asking Daryl and Rosita to take her there sort of as a mini team for some protection and because they have more experience. It's like a mini break. A mini break? Yeah. It's like going somewhere for the weekend. There you go. It's like a that's an overnight trip to a pharmacy.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think in, in Europe, they call it a mini break.
0: Okay. It's
1: good. I don't know. They're not in Europe though. No, they're not, but that's the way I would refer to it. If you're going someplace for the weekend, you're not going on a full vacation. You're not going down to Florida for a week and a half or, you know, going to somewhere else for like Costa Rica for two weeks. Mm -hmm. It's just a mini break. You're going to Quebec City for two days. That's nice. That sounds like a fun time. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's a really good idea.
0: I like Quebec City. Me too. Uh, Now, Daryl and Rosita aren't so sure, but Denise threatens to go alone and nobody wants that. So they agreed to take her out. And we immediately cut to them in a vehicle, driving away. Daryl is driving, if you can call it that well he's he's got his
1: hand on the wheel, but well, most uh his arm really he he's operating a motor vehicle and not very well there seems to be a little lack of uh skilled on the uh, the manual transmission
0: apparently, Daryl does not know how to drive manual, which I find hard to believe uh he seems, I don't like, know. seems like the kind of guy that would, would know how to do that. I like, don't know how to drive oh. manual. Yeah, I don't find that hard to believe for some well, reason. I've only been driving for a couple of years. So. <laughs> I know, that's true. <laughs> uh, but still, Daryl Dixon, that guy knows how to drive a stick, doesn't he? I would think so. Yeah, I would think he knows how to drive a tractor
1: and uh, a manual transmission truck and a motorcycle and a four-wheeler and a skidoo or a snow machine and a combine he, and
0: I, I maybe think- a bush plane. Yeah, exactly. I think he's probably a vehicle specialist. He's the kind of guy who'd get in anything and just be able to take it out for a spin. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, this was kind of funny. He can't drive the stick very well, but Denise is uh, trying to give him some pointers, and she says her brother taught her how to do it. And uh, he's just getting worse and worse, but luckily they come to a tree that has fallen across the road, so they have to stop. Luckily, a tree has fallen. That's right. I thought for sure what we were going to get in this scene is, you know, he'd be driving, he'd be struggling. Denise would give him a tip and then he'd sort of get all frustrated and we'd do like hard cut to her driving and him sitting beside her sulking. Oh, comedy cut. A comedy cut. Yeah. Yeah. But that didn't happen. They get to the tree and there they are. Yeah. So Daryl and Rosita, they get out to check it out. Rosita goes up and kills a zombie that's hiding under the tree and checks his bag. And turns out it's full of mini booze bottles. Yay! So that's exciting for them. And somebody says, these aren't going in the pantry. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, they're going in my pockets. (laughs) That's right. Um, They tell Denise to get out and they decide to walk the rest of the way. Now, Rosita wants to follow the train tracks, which are right there, because she says it's like half the distance. But for some reason, Daryl insists on following the road and taking the long way there. And then Denise follows Daryl and Rosita goes off on her own uh yeah I mean, did you notice the backpack Daryl's backpack he had the orange backpack he had the orange backpack it shows up again it is yeah that orange backpack has survived longer than some characters uh yes it has including <laughs> the original owner that we saw it with well yeah that's true um But why do you think Daryl wanted to take the road, which is apparently the long way around, instead of going through the tracks? Was he just worried about safety in the forest?
1: No. Uh,
0: So what I would,
1: my rationale for wanting to take the road if I was in that situation would be walking along the tracks, I can guarantee you we won't find anything useful. Walking along the road, we might find something useful. So why don't we take the road? Even though it's a little bit longer, it's not that far, but we could stumble across something interesting along the way. You know, or even another vehicle now that you mention it. Yeah, or another vehicle or something. But the train tracks, uh, you can pretty much guarantee that unless you stumble across a train carrying uh, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, maybe it's got a sandwich car on it, which is, you know, bringing the sandwiches to uh, Washington, D.C. from Delaware— I have no idea, but uh, <laughs> that's the only thing that could be useful on the track. Maybe uh, actually finding a train would be really useful because those it's got really big gas tanks full of diesel. Mm-hmm. That'd be quite defined, actually. Getting a train going, though. No, you don't get the train going, but you siphon off the diesel and use it for heating fuel or something. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. Because heating fuel and diesel are actually the same thing. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. They put diesel in the in the tanks in houses that uh, that run on fuel for heat. Interesting. It's diesel. They put color in it so you can't use it in your gas
0: tank. Color. So, the color means you can't use it in your gas tank.
1: Well, they tax diesel differently than they tax uh, heating fuel. Okay. So uh, if you if they find in your car that you have uh, diesel with uh, the color additive for heating fuel, you, they know that it hasn't been taxed properly for use in a motor vehicle,
0: and you get charged. Interesting. Okay. That's a random fact. <laughs> random fact from Jason. There you go. That's never happened before. <laughs> so they uh they're not going to find a train, so they're going to take the road. That makes sense. That didn't occur to me. There's more likely more better chance you'll find something along the road than along the train tracks through the forest. Right. Okay. Um so they go their separate ways for now. Uh we go over to Eugene and Abe who we saw leaving earlier, remember? Mm-hmm. And they're walking down an alley in a town somewhere and they're talking about his hair and how much eugene has changed including his hair because now he's tied it back yeah well yeah <laughs> so that indicates change right now I <laughs> abe is asking why why are you cha- why are you doing this and why now and eugene tells him that basically he's trying to adapt to the situation just like anybody would and should you know he's trying to say you got to you gotta deal with the circumstances you're in, and the way I was before wasn't really working out, so I'm changing to try and be more helpful and more useful and better in this situation that we're in. It's a good plan. It's a really good plan, but Abe's not convinced. Well, yeah. no, because it's Eugene. Right. He says, you keep telling yourself that, and then Eugene says it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, I thought. Well, I, I think that uh, he sees Eugene as a big baby. Pretty much. That's kind of what he says straight to him. Right, and even later on as the episode goes on. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. You're still a big baby. That's right, and you still have bad hair. Um,
1: wow, don't knock the hair, man. No, I it's know. It's long enough now that uh, you can put it in a ponytail, so, uh, so that's even better. So it's not a mullet anymore, it's a ponytail. It's a, I'm not sure if there's a really a name for it. I think uh, hockey hair kind of sums it up. I think you can put hockey hair in a ponytail and it's still hockey,
0: uh, hockey hair. You know... Hockey hair, that term just doesn't, people don't use it anymore. Hockey players don't have that hair anymore. That was an 80s thing. That's, that's So are mullets. People don't have mullets anymore. Well, yes, they do. I see them walking around the street occasionally. You beauty. see mullets in the wild? I've seen the odd mullet in the wild,
1: yeah. The last time I saw a mullet in the wild was at Christmas in the Sioux, when people would come out of the woodwork to do their Christmas shopping. Well, there you go. They still
0: exist. That was like seven or eight years ago. That was a long time ago. But you wouldn't look at that now and think hockey hair. At least I don't. I think mullet, or I think what the hell's uh, wrong I'm with that I'm from person? Northern Ontario. I call it hockey hair. All right. <laughs> the, the, that term. Mullet
1: is a new term for me. Hockey hair is
0: the way I think of it. Weird. All right. I think hockey hair died out a long time ago. Anyhow, um, we go back to Daryl and Denise, and they meet up with Rosita, who's there sitting waiting for them, because she clearly got there in half the time. Yeah. And uh, they come to the pharmacy. Daryl pries open the door with a crowbar that he has and says that he and Rosita will go in to check if it's clear. Right. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now, as the door opens, we cut over to Abe and Eugene, who are opening a door of their own. And it's a lock that Eugene just picked, which I think is cool. Match cut. What? Is that? That's called a match cut. You go from one thing that's the same to
1: another thing that's the same, and that's how you switch contacts with uh, a matching...
0: Mechanism of I some get kind. It. Yeah, I get match it. Cut. I thought you were talking about picking the lock. No. Alright. So uh match cut, that's good. Eugene's picked the lock though. I was gonna say that's a useful skill to have. It is. Right? So he's trying to make himself useful, which is great. I want to learn how to pick locks. Well, doesn't he say in the episode something like tumble tumble click or something? Easy as that. Well, it's not as easy as that, but I think
1: learning how to pick <laughs> locks would be fun. You can can you take a course in lock picking? No, but you can
0: look up YouTube videos. It's probably even better. Yeah. All right. Uh, So they open this door and they go into some kind of machine shop, it looks like. And Abe asks why they're there. And Eugene tells him that they're going to use these tools to manufacture bullets. I think it's a foundry, which is different
1: than a machine shop. Okay. Because that big kettle that they, that big metal kettle that they uh, knock on, that's for melting metal, which right. you might need to do if you're going to make bullets, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's it's not so much a a, a machine shop or maybe it's both. I don't know. It's a, it's a foundry where if it was just a machine shop, it would be, it's like a woodworking shop. You don't make wood there. You bring in the wood and then you do what you need to to build a piece of furniture on the other end. Right. Whereas the machine shop, you bring in the metal, work the metal until it's to, into the the device you want and then away you go whereas a foundry you bring in the raw ingots melt those suckers down make them into the and then pour them into molds make them into shapes and then machine them so that they're refined shapes mm-hmm. so i
0: think that's where they are i think it's a found okay it's a foundry but either way i mean they're going to use the tools that are there to to make their own ammunition which eugene says is basically like the currency of the current you know apocalypse, the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and that's probably pretty apt. Yeah, I mean, they're going to uh, not only that, but they're they will eventually run out of bullets, whether the show ever sort of gets to that point or not, I don't know, but you'd yeah. think they'd run out of bullets. So, if they are able to keep making their own, then that would, you know, that time might not come for a very long time, which will be handy because I think they're going to need some. Yeah. Um so uh, Abe tells him that this is a great idea, actually. So, you know, Abraham's starting to come around, it sounds like. But then a zombie comes at them from behind, and Eugene wants to kill it himself. But it turns out this zombie is wearing a helmet, sort of. <laughs> so it's, it's got melted... Uh, he got splashed with the metal
1: from the foundry. Yeah. And it... it uh, In the first season of uh, uh, Game of Thrones. I'm going to have to edit that out, man. We can't spoil the that. The first season of... I don't think we can spoil that. Come on, man! That's like it's like five years
0: ago. No, I'll think about it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. Anyway, yeah. Well, there's a holy crap later about that too. But I was right. gonna I was gonna be cagey about it. But you're right. It's it's very much like that. We're past the moratorium on the first season of uh, Game of Thrones. If if I spoiled what happens in the final episode of season one of Game of Thrones. People would murder me. And that's five years ago. Okay. Now that we've (laughs) talked about it for 10 minutes. Yeah, I know. What are we going to do now? (laughs) I don't don't know. Anyways, uh, Eugene is trying to kill this zombie, but he has some trouble and he can't reach, you know, he tries to chop it in the head, but the machete just bounces off because of this uh, helmet the thing's got on. And eventually Abe has to step in and kill it with a piece of rebar because Eugene's struggling. Um, Eugene gets kind of pissed off about this and says he didn't need any help. He had the situation under control. They go on to argue about each other's skill set a little bit. And Abe kind of says to Eugene, you know, you're good at building bullets and I'm good at killing zombies and we need to stick to that. Right. Um, and Eugene tells Abe that he's outlived his usefulness to him. So Abe decides to leave and says, Eugene, find your own way back.
1: That's kind of a weird fight. It, it seems like a brother fight. It does a little bit, yeah. It's just like a. Uh, I don't think he. I don't think Eugene meant it. I don't think Abe meant it. I think that just they. They got their backs up, and uh, their pride got hurt, and they're just having a hissy fight for boys.
0: Yeah, kind of. I mean, they're they're friends. They've been traveling together for a long time, but yeah, they just they're they're kind of like you're being a jerk. No, you're being a jerk. I'm taking my machete and going home. That's right. Right? Yeah. Um, I didn't put too much creed in this. I didn't think the
1: relationship would be severed forever. I thought it was just a, a little pride fight.
0: Yeah, but I think we were supposed to think as the audience that that they were, I don't know, that they were on bad terms, at least might be for a little while. I think yeah. depend- the, the way the rest of it kind of plays out... Um, but anyways, I mean, the point is they've separated for now and and that's it. Uh we go to a commercial and we come back and uh Daryl and Rosita now enter the pharmacy with Denise following them, so she doesn't wait outside. I I sort of figured she'd wait outside until they made sure it was clear, but she comes right in after them. Mm-hmm. They look around a bit and Denise sees some pictures of kids on the floor. And they find a huge stockpile of medicine behind this metal roll up door. Yeah. So it seems like this trip was a success. Now Daryl is crowbarring open the roll up door. Denise is looking at a rack of those novelty name keychains where you can find your name on a keychain. Kids love I was
1: looking for Rick. I was looking for Shane, actually. Oh I didn't yeah?
0: see Shane, yeah. I was looking for everybody. Well, I I I know kids love those things. Every time I'm in somewhere with my kids, they're always looking for their names and their friends' names and they always want to buy one for everybody they know and I have to tell them nope we can't do that because You
1: you got me one from New York. I still have my New York Jason keychain that you got me.
0: Yeah. Well let's see, there you go. I guess I guess everyone loves them. Yeah,
1: they're fantastic. I buy my wife them when I uh, when I travel for for work. I'll bring home her home a, a Calgary keychain or a, a Calgary Jenny keychain. And I'm going to the Sioux tomorrow, so maybe I'll see if I can find a Sioux Saint
0: Marie Jennifer keychain. <laughs> do they sell those things for the Sioux? No, maybe they, they do. They,
1: they might. It's a tourist town.
0: Oh yeah, for Americans who want to come up and buy beer and fish. Oh, and fish, eh? We go fishing, yeah. It's awesome
1: fishing. All right. It's the only place to cross the border within like 200 miles, so everybody that wants to go north for whatever reason, skiing or camping or fishing or hunting or what have you, they got to go through the Sioux. Okay. Well, they need, and they need to pick up a name keychain on their way home. They need a Sioux St. Marie Richard keychain, if their name is Richard, or they know somebody named Richard. Yeah. That's good. You may have to go to the
0: border crossing gift shop. To to find them.
1: <laughs> no, no, they're probably... I just have to go to the mall. All
0: right. <laughs> that very like, same mall that I saw the mullet in. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Uh, so what's happening? Um, they jump... They Daryl opens the door, they jump in, they start loading their bags with medicine, and they hear a thumping noise. But Daryl and Rosita listen for a minute and think, ah, it's just one. We can ignore that for now. Yeah. Which just seems like a dumb idea. Like, if there's a zombie in there, deal with it, because you never know where it's going to pop out and get you
1: but if
0: uh dealing with it has a slight potential
1: for danger whereas if it's really not dangerous and it's fine where it is just leave it alone let
0: sleeping dogs lie but how do you know it's not dangerous that's like they they couldn't say for sure where that zombie was could they they're professionals now okay. they know what they're doing i guess um well it turns out that denise decides that she's going to go and see what's going on so she opens a door enters a dark room. She's following the sound. Like, this is just a a terrible idea. Um, she passes by a crib that's there, and she eventually finds a heavily decomposing zombie on the floor that has a cast on its leg. So that guy had been there for a long time, probably since the initial zombie outbreak. Yeah, yuck. And there was not a lot left of its face. Um... Written on the wall a bunch of times is the word hush. Yeah. And then as Denise is shining her flashlight around, she sees a sink full of blood and goop and a small shoe floating in it, which, I don't know, frightens, shocks, and disgusts her. So she she backs out and ends up knocking over a glass bowl, causing a ruckus and eventually going outside to wait. She
1: was absolutely right to be shocked, frightened, and disgusted, because that was frightening, shocking, and disgusting. It was
0: it was a utility sink
1: full of, like, a
0: dissolved... Dead baby. Dead yeah, baby? Right. <sighs> oh. Dead toddler, anyway, of some kind. So they won't kill a baby on screen, but they'll show you...
1: A shoe! A shoe. Just a shoe in some water. Let the it's you know in the uh, immortal words of uh, Alfred Hitchcock, you don't have to show the audience anything to imply the horror. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we make up our own jokes pretty much. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just uh, they they gave us all the information we needed to be absolutely horrified without showing
0: us shit, and we were, yeah, completely, completely horrified. Uh, so Denise runs outside note there, she's sitting against the wall and we see that she's taken a keychain with the word, with the name Dennis on it. Yeah. And at first I'm thinking, okay, they didn't have Denise. So she grabbed the closest one. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but that's not it. Uh, Daryl and Rosita come out and they says she did good for finding this place. Like right? they give her the props she deserves. Yeah. Cause they did get a lot of medicine now walking back. Denise and Daryl are talking and she tells him about her twin brother, Dennis. Mm -hmm. So Denise and Dennis. And she ends up saying that he was a bit angry and kind of dangerous. And Daryl says, you know, I feel like we had the same brother. (laughs) Merle, a bit angry, a bit dangerous, you know, uh, I can see the similarity there. Um, they get to the train tracks where they can either follow the road back or take the train tracks, but this time, Daryl is like, we're taking the train tracks because they're faster.
1: Yeah, because they've already scouted what could possibly be found on the road, since he already knows and found whatever it is that's there.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no point in taking it again. Might as well take the fast way back. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, Again, I'm thinking, why would he want to go one way one time and the other way the other time? But your explanation completely fills in the gap.
1: Oh, and for entertainment purposes, too. I, I always try and go different ways. In different directions, just for a change of scenery. To
0: mix it up? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. So they are walking down the tracks. They pass a bunch of cars, and Denise sees a cooler in one of them and decides that she needs to have that cooler. She wants to check it out, even though as she gets close, turns out there's a zombie in the car. Uh, Daryl and Rosita say, no, it's not worth it, but Denise goes anyway. When she opens the door, she kind of fumbles the zombie comes at her. She fumbles, killing the zombie. It gets on top of her, but uh, she manages to roll it over. And as Daryl and Rosita run up to help, she says, nope, I got this, screams at them not to help. And eventually she does stab it in the head and kill the zombie and get the cooler. So unlike Eugene earlier, who sort of lost control of a situation but needed Abe to help him, she loses control of this situation but is able to handle it herself in the end.
1: Well, it's up for debate whether or not Eugene needed Abraham to help him. Maybe Eugene would have had it under control eventually, but Abe didn't give him the chance.
0: Oh, I feel like Abe gave him enough of a chance. Like, Eugene reached, was reaching for that rebar a couple of times and couldn't get it. And eventually yeah, he's but just he also tired. had a pistol on his hip, too, that he didn't use yet. Mm-hmm. Just because he didn't do
1: it yet doesn't mean he was not going to do it.
0: Okay, this is the
1: same argument I have about taking
0: out the trash, right? Just because I haven't done it yet doesn't mean you have to ask me twenty more times before I'm going to do it.
1: It's on my list. It's on. It's being planned. Just because I haven't done it yet doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. Okay, you know. So I get that uh, Daryl and Rosita gave her the chance that uh, that Abe did not give Eugene, and she
0: uh, everything came up Millhouse for her. Right, that's that's good. I mean, it shows she has some skills. She's not completely helpless, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, she manages to kill that zombie, and in that cooler finds a can of orange crush. Hooray! Exactly what she was looking for. That's after puking, of course, because anytime someone does something, you know, gross, they have to throw up.
1: Well, yeah, and as I would, I'd have to throw up if I had to stab anything in the head, living or not.
0: Yeah, probably. Probably the first time you stab anything in the head, that's a natural reaction. Uh But Daryl's pissed off and he says she could have died. And uh, Denise tells him that he could have died a bunch of times, but you have to take risks. It's what you have to do to survive. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that. Like if there's someone who's better at something, let them do it. But I can see what Denise is saying. You know, someday there's going to come a time where I'm going to have to be able to defend myself. Or do something on my own because you're not going to be around, and I'm hopefully going to know how to do that when that time comes. Yeah. Right? Uh, But Rosita questions her as well, and Denise tells them she's not as helpless as they may think. Now, she says that she does have some training, but she wanted Daryl to come because he's brave and strong, and Rosita to come because she's alone. Maybe for the first time. For the first time, yeah, <laughs> sounds like a song song lyric. Alone, maybe for the first time. <laughs> well, there is a song. I'm trying to remember the lyric. That that definitely is a lyric, but I don't know if it's alone. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but but she's she, she's almost trying to say like I'm doing you guys a favor by bringing you out here. Um, you know, maybe not so much to Daryl because it's like you're brave and strong and you're helpful for sure. But Rosita, I know you're alone for the first time and you need some friends. Yeah, I don't know. However, as she's she-
1: trying to, she's trying to build a gang is what she's trying to do. Right. Right. She's, uh, she's, she's going to, she's going to be the gang leader and she's going to get her, uh, her, her homies with her, her, now her posse or mm-hmm. her, uh, was it entourage? And she's going to, yeah, she's putting
0: together a gang, I bet. Well, the gang sadly does not last long because as she's talking, suddenly a crossbow bolt comes out of nowhere from behind her, goes through the back of her head and sticks right straight out her right eye. That's survivable. We've seen that happen with Carl. She could live? Uh, I don't know, man. (laughs) Carl the bullet glanced off his orbital eye socket bone. She's got an arrow through the head. Yeah, but she kept talking for a little bit. That's a good sign, right? She kept talking for a second before her body realized, oh, wait a minute, I've got an arrow in my face. Yeah. Um... This is pretty shocking. It was out of nowhere. I did not see this coming.
1: No, I didn't see this coming. This is this gave me genuine grief. I'm very sad about this. This is this is uh, I can't think of a character that I wanted to not die. Be uh,
0: not die and and be on the show longer. That's like the worst case scenario for me. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you're, we're just getting to know Denise, we're just starting to like her and they take her away. But it's typical, right? That's what they do. Um. Now, we, we kind of go into slowish motion here as, you know, shit gets crazy for a minute. A bunch of guys come out of the woods with their guns up, mm-hmm. and we see that they're led by Dwight, the guy who Daryl let live in the burnt-out forest, you know, earlier on this season. Son of a bitch. Not only that, but Dwight has Eugene hostage. So we didn't see that happen, but no. something went wrong for Eugene, and he is now being held hostage by Dwight. So Dwight has all the leverage here, pretty much.
1: Yeah, and these guys come out of the woods uh, properly. By the way, they're sp- they're spread out.
0: Yeah, the only and they're, thing they're, they... they're flanking everybody. This is the way you're supposed to do it, people. The only thing they could have done better maybe is come from both sides of the tracks instead of one side, right?
1: Yeah, and I mean Daryl and, and Rosita actually. Uh, did this wrong. And uh, when you're ambushed, you don't stand there. You run, you, you run, you actually run at the people that's ambushing you. you get in there, get in their lines, confuse them. They end up shooting at each other. Maybe they shoot at each other. There's all kinds of confusion. I, I remember when I was in basic training, they taught us about ambush. When you're, when you're in an ambush situation, uh, Successful ambushes kill 100% of the people that are being ambushed. Mm -hmm. An unsuccessful ambush kills 95% of the people that are being ambushed. Mm -hmm. The only real option is to run. Run towards the people that are ambushing you. Chances are you're still dead, though. Oh, yeah, you're pretty much screwed either way. But, you know, at the very least, if you get in there and they start getting confused and shooting, they might hit each other. So yep. that's good, right? <laughs> it's better than nothing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So standing there like uh, a
0: couple of uh, Rory Calhouns really doesn't do them any good. The thing about that is, I mean, you have all those guns pointed at you, and you're not dead already. Then I think most people's kind of instinct would be to put their hands up and be like, I surrender. you know. Not in the zombie apocalypse. If it was the cops,
1: holy crap, yes. But – uh no, it's not the cops. It's uh, a bunch of schmoes coming out of the woods with firearms. Uh, there's a pretty
0: good chance that they're not going to let you live. I guess, but still. I, I mean, there's a there's always a chance, isn't there? <laughs> always a chance. I, I'd have pulled the trigger and run. Okay. I can tell you that right now. I'd be dead, mm-hmm. most likely, but that's what I would have done.
1: 95% of the time. It, it's right every time. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Something like
0: that. <laughs> 95% of the time, you're dead every time. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, Dwight um, is there. He's got Eugene, and he clearly has something wrong with his face. He does. He looks like he's got uh, plaster scene on it. Well, it's, uh, it's one half of his face is all mangled up and what looks like is burnt. Um, and uh, comic readers might know a little bit more about that. But I'll leave that there for now. Daryl and Rosita are forced to give up their weapons, of course, and Daryl says he should have killed them, to which Dwight has a good reply. He kind of agrees. He says, yeah, probably. But um, he says it begs the question, who brought this on who? You know, you didn't kill me, so this is your fault that I'm back, and now I'm going to kill you and your friends. There you go. Uh Eugene now looks to the side and he notices Abraham hiding behind a bunch of barrels off to the side a little bit. Eugene, of course, is on his knees with, you know, Dwight standing behind him with a gun on him. And uh, Dwight keeps talking. He asks Rosita her name and she wants to know what they want and all that. And he tells Dwight says that he wants them to let them into Alexandria so they can take what they want and who they want. Yeah. They just want to grab everybody they can. And he basically threatens to kill everyone otherwise, right? Either do that or I'm just going to kill all of you right now. Yeah. So Eugene, he decides to do something. And he says that if you're going to kill anyone, start with our companion who's hiding behind those oil barriers or barrels, I mean. And he's a big asshole more than we are. Yeah. And so Dwight is like, huh, interesting. He sends some men to check it out. And... As they go to look, Eugene uses this moment to swing around and bite Dwight in the crotch. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Bite that dude right in the crotch. Now everybody it's good is sur- thing he had his uh, mullet tied back. Otherwise he'd be <laughs> getting hair in his mouth. His hair
1: would have gotten the way. <laughs> Got
0: in the way. Uh yeah, good thing. Good thing. So everyone is surprised by this, of course, and they start shooting, but it's it's all chaos at this moment. Uh, Daryl and Rosita manage to grab some guns and take cover. And uh, Rosita, while she's ta- while she's firing back, she shoots a guy behind Abraham, and they give each other a thank you, no problem look. Yeah. Right? A little thanks, no problem. So, you know, they may not be the best of friends anymore, but they can still help each other in, in a bad situation. Yeah. Some zombies come along, and uh, Daryl shoots them. And because everything's gone crazy here and Dwight's lost a lot of his men, he decides to fall back and they, you know, go to retreat. They're running back into the forest. Daryl grabs his crossbow, which, of course, Dwight dropped in the chaos. Of course. And he almost goes after them. But Rosita tells him to stop. You know, let them go. We don't need to follow them. We need to deal with people who are injured here right now. Um, Turns out Eugene was shot in the stomach during all of this. So he's down on the ground. Um, They all, including Abe, pick up Eugene and they start walking back down the tracks and they go past Denise's body lying there dead. And that was the saddest moment for me where they're carrying poor Eugene back and you just see Denise lying there no longer alive. And that's when it really sunk in for me that she was dead.
1: Yeah, that's when it sunk. I was I was hopeful. I knew that Carl survived a similar thing, so I was uh, I had my rose-colored glasses on. I was uh, hopeful that uh, Merritt Weaver wouldn't be leaving the show, mm. but alas, she is leaving the show, and I'm terribly, I'm distraught. I would say I'm I'm, uh, yeah. I'm upset by this. I'm, I've liked Merritt Weaver in everything I've ever seen her in. I've liked her. So now I was very happy when she joined the cast of this show, and I am sad, sad, sad to see her go.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really bummed too. And just that shot alone, I thought they did a really good job of sort of framing it, looking up from her body on the ground, and then you know the four or the three of them carrying uh, carrying Eugene away. It it was very it was very emotional and sad. And I agree with you. I'm sad to see Merritt Weaver go. Yeah, I enjoyed her character. After a commercial break, though, we're back in Alexandria. Eugene is patched up. I don't know who patched him up because the doctor's dead, but somebody did. And but Rosita says the bullet just grazed him and that the antibiotics they got will probably prevent him from getting an infection and, you know, likely save his life. So she's just saying that, you know, Denise still after death saved him because it was her idea to go get the medicine in the first place. That's true. Which is, you know, good. That's nice. That's kind of nice. She's still dead, but kind of nice. Yeah. So Eugene and Abe now have a very funny exchange where Eugene says, you know, I wasn't trying to kill you. I was just looking for my moment to attack. And uh, he asks if Abe apologizes for questioning his skills. (laughs) And Abraham does apologize by saying... You you, you know how to bite a dick, Eugene, and I mean that with the utmost respect. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. good. Um, so they're back. They're okay again. I think they're friends again. Yeah, they just they just had a brother spat. Oh, That's fine. And all it took was one dick biting,
1: one dick bite, uh, and <laughs> ambush on the road. That's right. And uh, some killing, some maiming. And everybody's back to friends again.
0: Everybody's friends again, minus one uh, Denise. Minus one Denise, yeah. So Abe goes to see Sasha and basically tells her that he loves her. And he says that we could have 30 more years here together. So quit screwing around. We should be together. And, uh, you know, she looks at him for a moment, looks like she's going to tear up a little, and then says, come on inside. That's, uh, that reminded
1: me that, that scene reminded me of the uh, the last, the, the final hurrah. I'm going to spoil uh, When Harry Met Sally. So spoiler alert for When Harry Met Sally. I'm just happy you're dropping a spoiler alert for once. Yeah. Uh, so Harry and Sally, they, uh, they end up as a couple in the end of that movie. I don't know if you did you know that? I No, I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie. You've never seen the whole movie When Harry Met Sally? It has Carrie Fisher in it. Without a Coke finger. <laughs> Without a
0: Coke finger. Well, I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie start to finish, so no, right. I don't
1: know. Well, at the end, uh, damn it, what's his name? Ron Howard. No, the main character goes up and he, he runs. It's New Year's Eve Tom, and he's running. Tom Hanks? No. Is he in that? I don't think so. That's uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, is what you're thinking see, of. I
0: haven't seen that full movie either.
1: No, we're thinking. Uh, all right, so he he's running and he meets up with her and he's all tired. She's like, "Why did you run?" And he's he his line was, "Well, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start right now." Mm-hmm. So that's uh, this scene reminded me of that. It's just like we've got thirty more years, possibly thirty more years. Why are you fucking
0: around? Yeah, we got to get started on those thirty years right away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So come on inside. (laughs) Well, that's what she says. She tears up a little and asks him in. So I think Sasha and Abe are going to get together. Or maybe Uh, they're getting together uh, right now.
1: No, it it happened. Like, that's the... Come on inside. That's the euphemism. That's the same as, uh, would you like to go get a coffee? Come on inside? That's the the euphemism for sex. Okay. Let's go get a coffee. You want to go get a coffee?
0: That's uh, that's (laughs) sex. All right. Well, next time I... I'm going to use that line. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal. And Meg
1: Ryan. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, I spoiled that movie for anybody. Uh, That was 1989.
0: Well, at least you warned them. It's true. Uh, All right. We have Daryl, and he is burying Denise's body uh, with Carol. She's there, too. He's got the keychain, the Dennis keychain, and he drinks one of the mini booze bottles and keeps shoveling dirt. Into the grave. Yeah, right. um, now, Carol, let's back let's back to Carol here. Remember at the beginning, she sort of um, apologized to Daryl for having having not killed those people and still having that mentality, implying that she has the kill everybody mentality. Yep. Now she says, you were right. I knew it when you said it. Um, meaning that she thinks Daryl was right saying, yes, I should have killed everybody. <laughs> so it's a little yeah. confusing, but. I had I watched it two or three times and that's what I got out of it. Um and then we go into a Carol voiceover and she's reading a letter that she's written to Tobin. And instead of um instead of talking about it here, I think I'm just going to play it. How, how okay. do you, how do you feel about that? I feel good things about that. All right.
2: I wish it didn't have to end not this way. It was never my intention to hurt you. But it's how it has to be. We have so much here. People, food, medicine, walls. Everything we need to live. But what we have other people want too. And that won't ever change. If we survive this threat and it's not over, another one will be back to take its place, to take what we have. I love you all here. I do. And I'd have to kill for you. And I can't. I won't. sent me away and I wasn't ever going to come back, but everything happened and I wound up staying. But I can't anymore. I can't love anyone because I can't kill for anyone. So I'm going like I always should have. Don't come after me, please.
0: That's pretty intense. It really is. I think, um, you know, I can't kill for anyone anymore and I'm leaving and don't come after me. Uh, so I, this is what I mean by this, this whole episode, I think was a bit of a microcosm of Carol's transformation at the beginning. She's still on board with killing everyone. By the end, she is saying that Daryl was, you know, uh, Daryl was right and that she now agrees. Um, And now she's saying, I can't, I can't kill people anymore. So I'm just going to leave and be on my own, which is what I should have done a long time ago. Yeah. So she's, she'll be back. She can't just leave. No, she'll be back. I mean, they're, they're setting something up here. I mean, she's not just going to walk away and never be on the show again. So they're setting something up. Either she's going to encounter more saviors, Or, you know, maybe she's got to be involved in that somehow, or maybe that's it. Maybe we haven't seen Carol, or maybe we've seen the last of Carol for this season. And who knows what's going to happen in the next two episodes, but maybe she won't return until next year sometime. I don't know. But either way, she's, you know, cutting ties with basically all these people that are important to her, and she's just going to walk off on her own. Now, while she's reading this voiceover, um, we do see some, uh, we do see some of the same shots as from the cold open. Um, you know, again, just reinforcing kind of the, the mundane daily, you know, activities that everyone does here, if you can call it mundane in the zombie apocalypse. Routine. Routine. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the final shot of the episode is of Morgan. And he's standing there where he was practicing his staff maneuvers. And uh, he's, you know, looking at Carol's empty porch with her swinging seat, swinging, swing, blowing in the wind. Uh, he turns around and looks at a couple of Alexandrians wheeling carts of guns toward the wall. Is that what they were? Yeah, we saw we saw them take them out of the garage where um, Olivia was had the food and stuff. There was also guns in there. Right. So he looks around and sees them doing that and and the camera just slowly sort of pu- pushes in on his face and then cuts to black and we hear Carol's swing creaking in the wind a little bit. Um this was an intense end I thought. Like what's going on in Morgan's in Morgan's mind? He's he sees guns being mobilized. He, I think he realizes Carol is gone. Yeah. And he just looked serious. So I don't know. I mean, I thought it was a really, really intense final shot of the episode. Really, really well done. But that's it. And uh, and there you have it. So let's talk about this episode a little bit. I thought it was really pretty good, even though I felt it got off to a bit of a slow start. You know, a little bit of the stuff with the two groups out on their runs, I, You know, I, I started thinking to myself, is this whole episode going to be just these two groups out on the road doing what they're doing? I'm not sure the whole episode, you know, will sustain itself just with this. But then once shit started happening and Denise got the arrow through the head and we had to deal with all that, I mean, stuff really started happening and it really got good. So um, even though it was a bit of a slow start, I think this episode was really quite solid. I agree with you, except for the slow start part. I I like this episode right from the outset. I thought
1: this is uh, I thought this was a very strong episode with lots of character development, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I just loved it. I flat out loved it, hmm. except for the whole uh, Merritt Weaver uh, not coming back on the show anymore. Yeah. If uh, if somebody if Rosita had died, that would have been okay. I would have <laughs> been I would have been okay. I don't think the episode would have been as powerful. Right. But uh, oh, damn it. It made sense, and uh, the fact that uh, Denise died, I think it gives it the power that this episode needed, and it made it a better episode, Mm -hmm. even though I'm sad to see Merritt Weaver leave the show.
0: Well, that's big of you to admit, you know? Yeah. For the good of the show, we lost Dr. Denise. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, on my second watch through of this episode, I, I really... Wasn't as bothered by the slow start, and that just happens, right? I mean, you, you, you always—at least for me—I always get more out of it the second time because you pick up on the dialogue a little bit better, um, you see how everything fits together a little bit better, and on the second watch through, I really understood the importance of those early scenes, you know, um, between Eugene and Abe, and between Daryl and Rosita and, and Denise, and so on. Um, And how they fit into the grander story they were telling. So, you know, that's why I came away actually really enjoying this episode, even though I thought it did start a little slow, but I I was pretty much okay with that by the end of it. Uh, Now, what do you think about Abraham in this episode? He had a lot more dialogue than usual, so they were able to give him some lines that weren't ridiculous one-liners. (laughs) Now. <laughs> That's true. I was just uh, one of the things I liked about this
1: episode kicking off. One of the reasons I I, I liked this episode from the outset was that Eugene had a non-secondary or tertiary role mm-hmm. in this episode. It he was it was a Eugene episode as far as I was concerned. It was a Eugene and Denise episode. Yep. Cuz everybody else has had primary uh activities in episodes before, but uh, Denise and uh Eugene haven't really they've been supporting characters but this one they were uh a
0: little more in the limelight yeah Eugene stepped it up in this episode
1: he did he uh he tried to kill a, a walker he uh is taking initiative uh to make bullets and then that whole dick biting thing
0: <laughs> uh yeah, he stepped it up. He really did. No, this this was his episode as much as it was Denise's, I think. And both of those characters really came, well, came out on top, uh, despite Denise being dead, unfortunately. Um, but back to Abe, I mean, the one-liners he had in this episode still bothered me, but I was glad that at least that's not all he was reduced to. But I wrote down some of them here, and here are some of the things he said in this episode. He said, I see you tied your Tennessee waterfall back there. Sorry, it's I see you tied back your Tennessee waterfall, (laughs) Good, Uh, which I thought was stupid. Um, And then he says something about swinging some swagger with the ladies, Uh, you know, questionable. He says, are you about ready to spill the Pintos on what the hell it is we're doing here? Spill the beans? Yes, I know that, but no one would say spill the Pintos. They'd say spill the beans.
1: I don't know. I might use it from now on. Maybe he heard it from somebody and started using it because it's clever. And now that I've heard it from somebody, I might start using it because it's clever. Yeah.
0: Well, the worst line of the whole episode for him was, you had better luck picking up a turd by its clean end. <laughs> nobody nobody would say that. That's not even a, a phrase. Like, you know, spill, spill the pintos. I can sort of live with because "spill the beans" is something people say; it means yeah. something, and he's just putting his own little spin on it. That's fine. But pick up the turd by a clean end? I don't think that's a thing anywhere.
1: Well, because the turd doesn't have a clean end. I understand. Maybe is that and your problem? Is no. that uh,
0: There's, the, you know, there is no clean end. No, no, no. It's not. It's not what he's trying to say with it. It's the fact that he said it at all. You know, you need to have something that is relatable to real life, and that line is not.
1: I don't know. I kind of liken it to Cockney rhyming slang, right? It's it's a whole thing, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to anybody. Uh, I'm not even sure to the people that that use it. It makes a lot of sense to you. you kind of you have really have to decipher uh, what they're trying to get at by what they're saying, mm-hmm. and it's fun.
0: Fair enough, but that exists in real life.
1: And I yeah, just... so you know, picking up the turd by the clean end. I have at it, I know what evolves I yet you know phrases get into the general lexicon and they gotta get in there somehow. they might as well be uh Abraham doing
0: it. I just don't think anyone talks like Abraham does, like find a person in real life that talks like that, and then I'll be fine okay well i
1: I often wish that I had a writer for uh you know writing word things that i use (laughs) sounds like you could really use one (laughs) i could really use a writer the only problem with uh having a writer is that i need that you need a writer to write both sides of a conversation you can't just write one side no it doesn't work so well no it doesn't work
0: so well so that's that's the only reason that i haven't hired a writer oh that's the only reason (laughs) okay good um anyways i just wanted to say to be fair Abraham, like I said, had some good dialogue in this episode. It wasn't all ridiculous lines. And I'm thinking about what I already talked about when he's talking to Sasha. He says, we could have 30 more years here, and that's still too short. To me, that's a really good line. That's like the kind of thing someone would say to somebody. And it obviously affected Sasha pretty deeply. So, you know, I I was glad to see Abraham come back down to earth a little bit in this episode. And hopefully he's not just going to get killed off. Uh, I would hope not. I would hope not. So, all right. Uh, If you have any thoughts on this episode, of course, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com to let us know you totally agree with us or disagree with everything we have said. It's time to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll read your holy crap moments. There's a bunch this week, so should be fun. Stay with us. Never
2: don't be
0: sad. the moment died If you'd like to help support The Talking Dead podcast, there are a couple of great ways to do that, everybody. First of all, you can visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. And over there, you can make very small monthly pledges to, you know, throw a few bucks our way every month, which all goes into help on the podcast and doing everything we do here. There's a couple of really cool uh, reward levels you can use as well. So to find out about those, visit patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. And even easier, if you want, is to use our Amazon links where you can go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. That way, when you buy stuff at Amazon, a tiny little percentage comes back to us, but it doesn't cost you Anything extra at all. Both Patreon and Amazon are great ways to help out, and we thank everyone so much who supports the show. Holy crap! Did you see that? That is right. It is time for Holy crap! Did you see that? We got lots this week, Jason. A lot of people wrote in, Um, and I just wanted to say that a bunch of people sent in slightly sort of longer observations this week that I think you know are a little better suited for Wednesday's feedback show. So I'm going to include a lot of them there rather rather than here. So if if you don't hear your your email or whatever tonight. Uh, maybe you'll hear it on Wednesday. And the other thing is, as you might've guessed, (laughs) a lot of people wrote in sort of about the same thing this week. And I usually try not to include too many duplicates here, but this week I'm going to make an exception and include some of those duplicates because I think some of them are funny and sure. Why not? Uh, okay. We're going to start off with some calls this week, which we don't do too often, uh, this first one is from the Walking int on the internet my what the fuck moment is Dr. Denise I mean hello
3: oh my God that speech was so powerful and just so moving and then all of a sudden oh dang. So there you go. <laughs> just, you know,
0: moving, powerful speech, and then, oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> He's dead. It I, happens. I think the walking ant shared your your sentiment, Jason. Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much dang. Yeah, exactly. All right, our next one here is Matt in Delaware.
3: Hey, guys. This is Matt in Delaware. I just wanted to call in with a uh, holy crap for you for this past week's episode. Uh, holy crap. Did you see the whole scene in the pharmacy with the baby in the back room? They did that for shock value and honestly, that's totally bullshit in my opinion. That stuff wasn't in the comics. They could have thought of something much, much more typical to uh to show that Denise wasn't quote unquote ready for the field. That just uh I, I don't know. I kinda I kind of was upset with the showrunners for choosing to go in that direction because that was just a cheap ploy for uh, for shock value only. And uh, like I said, pretty disappointed in that.
0: Thanks, Matt. This show has always been, I think, pretty good at not going for just shock value alone.
3: Yeah,
1: we don't get a lot of cats jumping out of uh, trees at people.
0: <laughs> no, that's... Jump scares. We do get a jump scare every now and again. We do, and that that's okay. I'm okay with that. It doesn't happen all that frequently, so I'm okay with it. But... You know, for a scene like this to just be shock value, as Matt says, you know, that kind of sucks. I don't know that I completely agree that this was strictly shock. It was shocking. It was horrifying, as we said. Um, But it's it, it, it was effective. It did what it had to do. It kind of gave Denise that whole like, my God, I haven't seen some of this shit before. So, you know, maybe I do need to be a little bit more careful. And I'm sure glad I brought these guys with me yeah so um but but i can also see matt's point uh but since they don't do it too often i think i think i think it's okay it was shocking yeah i'll give them that it, it definitely was uh all right next up is chris in new orleans
1: hi this is chris from new orleans holy crap did you see them go totally deep blue sea on dr denise
0: i don't know what that means but i can well, I'm guess have to look at i up. can guess deep blue sea is a movie and uh i think it involves sharks and the way denise died there's probably a similar scene in deep blue sea
1: oh is that the one with uh, yeah
0: samuel L. jackson okay
1: yeah i got it i got the reference okay. i won't do any spoilers but i get the reference
0: now all right you'll spoil a a, a show earlier on in the podcast but not deep blue sea well yeah Okay, fair enough. <laughs> At least
1: you have <laughs> rules. <laughs> well, I've been... Uh, I'm. Who says I can't
0: learn? Yeah, I suppose. I'm I'm learning. All right. Next email, Jaeger in Atlanta, Georgia says, Whoa, who knew Eugene was such a knob gobbler? Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Uh, You do what you got to do. Well, you know, if his hands were tied
1: and he had to go for the most vital area that he could get to in the situation that he was in... Uh, He did what he had to do. That wasn't an easy thing
0: to to do. No, not at all. And like you said, you go for the victim's most vulnerable area because that's going to inflict the most damage. Yeah, you go for the throat, you go for the
1: nose, you go for... uh, The balls. The balls.
0: See? (laughs) Various things. (laughs) Various areas. Uh, Randy in Romeo Michigan writes, My holy crap moment is Eugene's ding-dong bite down on Dwight. (laughs) Ding-dong, bite-down. <laughs> yeah, this ain't my first ding-dong, bite-down. <laughs> uh, Steven on our Facebook page writes, you bite one dick and you're a dick-biter for life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's an, uh, that's human nature uh, to reduce every human being to the worst thing they've ever done. Yep. So, you know, just referencing, you know, you bite one dick. That's, it's, uh, you know, don't bite. That's just all I've got to say is that biting is bad. Except if
0: you're, unless you're trying to inflict a lot of pain and damage. Oh, yeah, just in general, though. I, I mean, yeah. Oh, just in general, <laughs> don't bite your friends? Just don't bite. Okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Don't bite. <laughs> Uh, Steve in Canberra, Australia writes, there I was on the edge of my seat. I never thought I could cope with a transition from such sadness to suspense to suddenly pissing myself in hysterics at the image of Eugene, the cockbiter.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Tom in Delaware, Ohio. My holy crap moment? Eugene bit him on his dick and held on like a pair of rusty vice grips. Enough said. Yeah. This is what I mean. I thought I'd include a bunch of these, which are all kind of the same, because this whole dick-biting thing was a big deal. It was a big deal. I got another one. Paul in England. Holy crap, did you see Eugene grab a mouthful of Dwight's nuts? That did not seem like the best plan. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm holding a loaded gun and someone unexpectedly clamps down on the crown jewels, there's no question what would happen next. It's involuntary. I'd be picking the remains of their brain matter out of my zipper for the next week. That's probably true. He had a crossbow, though. That's a little more
1: of a technical operation than a loaded gun. Which he had fired already. So he Which, had to have yeah. reloaded, reloaded it. Yeah, I don't think he was in a position to easily
0: uh, use a weapon on Eugene. Yeah. And, I mean, even if he was, you know, actually... Being in that situation, it's probably pretty difficult to think straight. I mean, I'd get punchy real fast, though. You'd think you you'd think you'd start punching the guy in the head, but maybe not, because if you punch him in the head and like, oh, tear him away, he might take something with him. Well, I don't think there's a lot of reason and thought there either. Right. No, no. So I, I
1: I yeah I'd get I'd get punchy. I'd be I'd be slapping ears is what I'd be doing. <laughs> you know, you just you slap the ears, it disorients them. I'm sure it uh, might make them let go.
0: That's because you force air into the ears? That what happens?
1: Yeah, something like that. Okay. I figured you'd know that, but slapping
0: ears, sure. Yeah, start slapping ears. That's a sensitive area. No it is, for sure. Uh all right. Maybe we can move on from the dick biting. Uh Jenna in Kentucky writes, Did you see the redneck not know how to drive a stick shift? That's the most <laughs> unbelievable thing I've seen on the show so far.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, thinking back about it, Daryl
0: not being able to drive stick does seem a little unrealistic. In well, and in a show about zombies, that's the most unrealistic thing that Jenna in Kentucky's ever seen. <laughs> well, you know, there's you can only suspend your disbelief so much, right? Right. I guess there's got to be a breaking point. Your suspension of disbelief is finite. And if you're using it all up on zombies, you're not going to have any left for Daryl driving stick or not driving stick. Well, I don't think it's a matter of, uh,
1: you know, having a cup that's uh, flowing over of disbelief. I think it's a matter of uh, you accept internally you accept the logic of the show, Mm -hmm. right? Internally, the logic of the show says that the dead have risen and they've come back to life and they're rotting corpses that are trying to eat you. Society has collapsed. These are all, you know, tent poles of the show that we accept as reality. We accept reality that Daryl rides a motorbike and shoots a a crossbow and has a bandolier of squirrels from the first season and, uh, you know, internally in the sh- in the logic of the show, it makes sense that Daryl drives stick,
0: and that breaks it. Yeah, uh, it just it doesn't fit with our understanding of the whole universe.
1: Yeah, the the logic of the universe is failing there. Yeah. Whereas you know, zombies fine. Uh, that that's fine. If the zombies turned into dinosaurs all of a sudden, that also would break the the, the tenets of the show. Right. You're right. So. Yeah, uh, Daryl knows how to drive stick. Maybe he was just fucking around so Denise would have uh, entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was driving badly on purpose because he knew somewhere uh, that uh, that she could drive stick. So he maybe he was just messing around with her.
0: Maybe there was something like about that car that made it really difficult. Like, you know, he just he couldn't get the hang of it or something. And, she, you know, she had driven shitty old trucks like that before that had bad clutches or something like that. I don't know.
1: Maybe he just rebuilt the transmission, and it wasn't quite right yet, and it
0: just was grinding a little bit. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> There's all kinds of explanations for it, see? Yeah. All right. Brandon, in the mildly, delightful, the mildly delightful city of Las Vegas, says, just writing in to point out some of the smaller details of Eugene's incapacity for combat. During the cold open, when he approached the gate, he was past a rifle. He grips it awkwardly and allows someone— into point-blank range. I noticed that... And it, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm glad you brought it up. Compare it to the final scenes where Rosita grips it and properly points the rifle upwards and clears the pedestrian. But I'm glad to see in this episode that Eugene's best skill, as always, was still his mouth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I noticed that, that the barrel passed through the person that uh, passed him the rifle. Like, so It he was definitely in the line of fire of that
0: weapon uh yeah that kind of shit drives me crazy but it's eugene so maybe it's within character he's not been trained on guns really
1: yes but if i was that person and i handed eugene a rifle and that barrel came anywhere near me i would have dressed him down right then and there what does that mean that means giving him shit for doing something wrong with a weapon yeah okay maybe that's how people get killed that's true it's one of the ways I remember being on the rifle range when I was in basic training back in, oh, my God, 19—I'm not even going to say that. 73. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that far back, but uh, <laughs> I remember in basic training, we were learning how to fire the rifle. We were on a rifle range outside firing our uh, FNs, uh, and there was a guy in a tower behind us, and the the instructor at the time said, your weapon must always point downrange, always, 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 and never, ever pass in front of a person. Like, never let a person pass in front of your barrel. I don't care if it's just sitting on the ground. You don't walk in front of that thing. That guy on the tower over there, his job, if you point that barrel anywhere other than downrange, his job is to shoot you. So you better so, listen. So that kind of drills it home. Like, you pay attention because there's a friggin' sniper behind you whose job is to shoot you so that you don't hurt anybody else. Would they have really shot you? You
2: guys
0: are training You probably...
1: Yeah, but you also had an assault rifle in your hands. Like, it wasn't just a, uh, a hunting rifle. This was an FN semi-automatic uh, assault rifle loaded with full metal jacket, 7.62 uh, millimeter rounds of, of ammunition. Uh-huh. Like this, it's, not, it's not a trivial thing. This is a, uh, a thing you could kill uh, a whole bunch of people in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. But still, so, they're going to murder well,
0: you just because you make a mistake? That's not murder. You're on a rifle range on a military base. That's a training accident. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like murder to me. Yeah. Anyhow, Brad of the Dead in Osaka, Japan writes, my holy crap. Did you see that moment was the amount of handprints on that shop front window that Denise, Daryl and Rosita entered. The whole shop front window and the shops next to it were covered head to toe in those prints. A herd must have rolled in or something. That place had more handprints than Hollywood Boulevard. Boom. Still got it. It was a collage. <laughs> of handprints. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I know, guys. are doing
0: art. <laughs> let's just do this. We'll leave our <laughs> prints here and someone will find them. Yeah. Matt in Clementon, New Jersey. Holy crap, Sasha is a terrible lookout. At the end, the RV pulls up and Sasha never even looks to see who it is. I'm guessing that the RV was supposed to be inside Alexandria, but the wall looked like an outside wall. No buttresses, and we've never seen an inside all lined up right with the road. I don't think that was supposed to be inside the wall. That RV, as far as I understand, that was um, Tara and uh, Heath coming back. No, they weren't in the RV. They were in a camper truck. Why? Well, th- but so whose RV was that? No, I think that was their RV coming back, and no, they took it. It was a it was a small truck with a camper on it. It wasn't the RV that they took. So what was the point of having that RV roll up there then? I don't know. I'm going to go back to the tape. I think that was inside the wall. No, I don't think so. I think they've lined the outside of the wall with with cars. Oh, but maybe I could be wrong because as now, Matt says. No the inside of the wall leading up
1: to the uh, the gate. Yeah, it was behind her. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it was the the wall that leads up to the gate on the inside of Alexandria is not buttressed on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's, because all the walls are buttressed on the outside, right? Yeah, we've gone over that. Yeah. So there was a line of cars and it was behind her. Uh, this line of cars looks like it was setting up for leaving Alexandria. Like they are putting together a convoy and getting the cars ready okay. for what it looks like. All
0: right. That that could be it. I, for some reason, thought they were trying to tell us that Tara and Heath were back. And that seemed to make sense to me because, um, because Denise had just died and Tara is going to be upset about that. But um, I, uh, on that note, I think maybe if T- Tara did come back, we might have gotten a scene of her finding out that Denise was dead yeah we would have which would have been a brutal scene so um so maybe you're right you guys are right that that was on the inside or they were setting up to leave or something i I don't know interesting though okay one more call and this is uh todd in amelia island florida
1: oh my gosh did you see that i mean come on eugene throw some sauerkraut on that thing at least enjoyed the podcast
0: I don't like sauerkraut. Yeah, especially not on your penis. All right. (laughs) I never, you know, to be honest, I've never tried it on my penis. (laughs) So you never know, really. Yeah, Yeah, I can't say for sure. Yeah, you never know. All right, Sally on the internet writes, Holy crap, we get to see something new produced at the end of the world. Most cozy catastrophes, you see the characters burn through supplies and go on happily ever after. They're actually manufacturing something new. Genius. Yeah, bullets. That'd be good. they
1: they're not manufacturing casings though, right? They gotta reuse their casings, what you is what Eugene said. So what they need to do is they need to manufacture black powder and uh the actual projectile. They have to they have to get their old casings. Right. So when they fire their weapon they collect their collect the casings. I don't know where they're gonna get firing caps from. It's not important. They'll do something. They'll figure something out. Yep. It's pretty important. Well, okay. Blasting caps or yeah, the the uh yeah,
0: they're important. Okay. Otherwise, bullet bullet don't go. <laughs> well, you need the bullet to go. But the point yeah. is they're they're trying. They're building something in this zombie apocalypse that they're going to need.
1: Yeah, what they need to do is uh, build black powder uh, muskets. If they had muskets, they'd be fine. They're printing money. He said they're the currency. So they're basic pr-
0: basically printing money.
1: Oh, so that's what they're doing. They're not making them to use. They're making them to... Trade with other communities. I guess they need a commodity to trade
0: other yeah. than muscle. Yeah. Other than yeah. muscle. Yeah, I, I guess. I think pretty sure they're going to use some anyways. Uh, all right. Next, Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see <laughs> zombie? I'm guessing Greg Nicotero watches Game of Thrones too. I did not. Yeah. Yes, you did. You already talked about this. You spoiled this earlier oh, right. yes, Okay. Yeah, that's the one. I'm just going to leave this there though and not say anything. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know his name. I don't know how I'm going to work around this in this one. Anyways, I'll worry about that later. I think you're screwed. I think you need to put a spoiler warning up at the beginning of the episode. Well, I'm going to go back in time and do that. Gonna to have to record something. All right. Next is Walker. Ha ha. Yes, I know. In Texas, <laughs> Walker uh, writes. Oh, and this has very minor spoilers for season one of the Telltale Walking Dead game. Very minor. I would not worry about it at all. All Walker writes, My holy crap this week is what seems to be a reference to The Walking Dead Season 1 Telltale video game. Once we entered into the apothecary shop scene, I began to notice some eerie similarities to the drugstore section of The Walking Dead game in Episode 1. These similarities include the devastated outside of the shop— Family photos inside the store, the pharmacy itself being shuttered off, a roamer in the bathroom, but the kicker is in the details. On the rack of novelty keychains, one of the most prominently displayed name tags just so happened to be the name Doug. If you remember, Doug was the name of one of the characters from the game that was introduced in, you guessed it, the drugstore chapter. Ah, So... I remember that now. I didn't think of it at the time, but we played that game and I remember that level or that scene. And yeah, there's some similarities. So I wonder if they took a little inspiration from the game and put it in the TV show.
1: Maybe. When I saw Doug, I just thought of my Uncle Dougie.
0: Yeah, you would if you have an Uncle Dougie. Uh, and everyone knows that every third person in Canada is named Doug. So Every third person? I'm just going gonna... only... to... My Uncle Dougie's the only Doug I know. <laughs> no, that's a... Uh... That's a reference to a story about Douglas Copeland I read one time. He, oh. uh, he was in Vancouver, and an American journalist had come up to interview him. And the, the journalist walks in and says to him, is it true that everyone in Canada is named Doug? <laughs> and Douglas Copeland says, no, of course not. That's crazy. Everyone has different names here. And then the cameraman and a sound guy walked in, and they're both named Doug. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and it got funnier from there, I'm sure. <laughs> nice. I know lots of Dave's. Yeah, Dave. These are the Daves I know. Yeah. Okay, moving along. Steve on the internet writes, holy crap, I mean, ah, crap, they're officially without a doctor again. I think that's going to cost them. Yeah. Yeah, the doctor. She was important. Now she's gone. Frank on the internet writes, holy cheek flesh, did you see that walker who got himself face-paled on the spike? Also loved the dead lead head zombie. It seems that, unlike Romero's unique zombies, clowns, bride doctor, etc. cetera. Nicotero enjoys making some unique trauma zombies where their wounds are what makes them stand out. That's true. Which is cool. We've got uh, metal on the head. We've got
1: a uh, decomposing guy with cast. Yeah. And spike through or, the cheek. Or a woman. Yeah. You really couldn't could, tell. Could, could have been a woman. Yep. Or, uh,
0: and, yeah. And the, uh, the spike through the cheek zombie. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Um, Nicotero likes doing that. And I like that better than having clowns, cheerleaders, doctors whatever yeah definitely Sharnisha on the internet writes holy crap kill abraham already spill the pintos pick up a turd by its clean end ugh it's making me cringe now abraham stop talking like a snarky hipster with his first job writing out of college <laughs> <laughs> sorry with his first writing job out of college
1: <laughs> i these euphemisms i'm going to i'm going to use along with uh Fuzzy end of the lollipop. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, there's lots of good euphemisms. Well,
0: all right. I dare you to use uh, picking up the turd by its clean end in a in see, a business meeting.
1: I would use uh, pick up a turd by its shiny end.
0: Why shiny? Doesn't have a shiny end either. I have no idea. If it does, you might want to see a doctor. Well, you know, you know, you polish it till it shines. <laughs> polish a turd. <laughs> Hoyt on the internet writes, my holy crap moment has to be how Denise kept talking even after she was shot in the head. Uh, she was still clear-headed and concerned for a few seconds before her body caught up to her and said, oh, sorry, we're dead. Really kind of disturbing and sad. Yeah. Really was. A few more here. Don't worry, then we're almost done. Alan in Kettering, Kettering England says, I have two holy crap moments this week, the first of which was the bolt through Denise's eye and her saying, Ouch. <laughs> and then Carol's letter. Has she really gone? Holy shitballs. Yeah. Couple of big things. Jackie in Croydon, England. Holy crap. Did you see me sitting on my sofa listening to Denise thinking, I really like her? Then boom, killed by one of Daryl's arrows. I literally jumped up screaming, no. No, I, sorry. I did not see you sitting on your couch seeing that. But I can see that being a lot of people's reaction. That's true. Sadly. Finally, friend of the show, Adam in Texas writes, holy crap, history repeating itself. I'm wondering if Carol flees so she can save the group the same way she did from the termites. Or if the writers will have her get killed off in a similar rescue attempt just to throw us. Could be. So who knows? I was saying earlier that maybe Carol's gone for the season, which may be true. but Maybe they're having her leave. So she can be like the wild card out there that we don't know where she is, what she's doing. And if things go bad with the saviors, Carol can show up and save the day again.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that
0: thought did occur to me, that uh, they're going to bring Carol back to be the uh, the wild card. Do you think they'd do that again, though? It seems really similar to the Terminus storyline.
1: It is. It is very similar to the Terminus line. So maybe, uh, maybe you're right. Maybe...
0: They're just doing it. And then she'll come and we'll go, oh, she's going to save everybody and then die. And and the other thing is, like, she was gone last time because Rick banished her, right? Yep. And in her letter this episode, she even made reference to that. She said, Rick sent me away. But this time I'm leaving on my own. So it's totally different. (laughs) Totally different, yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, I don't know. I don't think they would do something so similar like that. But you never know. I mean, she's going to play into it somehow, you got to figure yeah you got to figure all right thank you so much to everyone who wrote and called in it is always great to hear from listeners and there is still plenty of feedback about this episode that we are going to get to on our Wednesday podcast which will be Thursday which will be Thursday this week jason's traveling so we're doing it one day late uh so don't don't worry it's coming um and uh hopefully it all goes well but i'm sure it will and uh so that's that's nice. It gives me a couple of extra days to get this feedback organized and for people to send it in. So it's only one extra day, you know. Okay, one extra day. Sorry. I'll learn <laughs> I'll learn the days of the week soon. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, you enjoy your trip up to your hometown. Say hi to your mom for me. I will. And in the meantime, thanks for tuning in everybody. Remember we have our giveaway going. Visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash art of eating to enter to win that very cool book. And uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. So until next time. Oh, you know what? I have to tell you how to get in touch with us, don't I? Uh, okay. I got to do that. Visit our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail to send us a message or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead, on Twitter at talking dead. Or as I've said, send your email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. All right. Awesome. Now we're done, right? I believe we are. Very good. Until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bon voyage.